scriptural foundations for our entire worship experience this morning is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. As you're aware, we are a church that believes in the power of God and that as it speaks to us through uh, our hearts, our spirits, and of course through Holy Scriptures. There are scriptures placed in your pews, and if you don't have a Bible at home, you're invited to take one with you. You're invited to read along now uh, with them in your hands or with those on the screens. Uh, hear these words uh, as I read them uh, for you. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. May we pray. O Lord our God, we hear your words and we understand their meaning. We understand them, Lord, at such a depth that they challenge us down to the very core of our soul. And so we ask, Lord, as our pastor Keith comes to speak this morning, that he might allow to speak, be allowed to speak that truth clearly and with authenticity, that the words that he say might not be uh, lessened uh, by his humanity, but that he might reach to you, Lord, and speak on your behalf to this congregation. Give him the strength he needs, Lord, to clearly present the gospel this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Keith. vision I've, well, this mission I've been on last week, I'm trying to figure out what Paul was talking about with this generous gift that this Corinthian church was uh, getting ready to give. You see, he's talking in this, in this letter to this church who's agreed to make this generous gift, and Paul is sending his companions to make all the arrangements to receive it so that the, uh, the gospel can be preached and the kingdom of God can be built up. And the best I could come up with was that there was a, a, a man, a preacher, and that we don't know his name in the scriptures, who uh, was a tremendously gifted uh, preacher. And Paul was endeavoring to secure this person to be able to be uh, basically on staff at a church. And this gift from the Corinthians was going to be given to help 
caused that. And I, I, and I was thinking how generous that is of these Corinthians to fund another church's staff parish budget. And uh, thinking, wow, what, what an amazing thing that, that they would be a part of that. And I started thinking about the, the, the gifts that they had and the gifts that they gave. And reading this text, I, I recognize that he's describing true biblical giving in terms of what it's supposed to be. Now, a lot of us, when we hear about giving, we just want to kind of cut to the chase and go, all right, just tell me how much I'm supposed to give, right? I mean, we like things to be clear and concise. We don't want to have to think about it too much. We just want someone just to show up and say, this is what you're supposed to do. Unless, of course, it's more than we want to give. Then we want it to be less, right? So we want, okay, 10%, right? The Bible says we're supposed to tithe or whatever. So is that off your net? Is that off your gross? Is there some magic formula that can be applied to your life? Now, if you, if you do some research on that, you'll see there are some Christians that believe that, that we're absolutely mandated by God to give a tithe of our, of our, our uh, gross income. There are others who would say, well, you know what? The New Testament doesn't really command tithing. Uh, there, there are different ways to look at it. Well, I'm not here to solve that issue in terms of the formula, but what I am here to do is talk to you about what I think is far more important than the formula, and that is the motivation behind why we give. <clears throat> you see, make no mistake about it, a Christian offers their gifts to the kingdom of God out of a heart that is first given to God. And if we are giving for some other reason, and we'll talk about that later, then we will not experience the joys of true biblical giving and what that can bring. See, there, there's three types of people. There are those who give generously, there are those who give grudgingly, and then there are those who don't give at all. And what I'm going to talk to you today about the diff- is the difference between a generous giving and grudgingly giving. You see, Paul talks about that in his letter. He says that God desires that we would be cheerful givers and that our gifts should be given not because we feel obligated or we're compulsed by some outside force to do so or, you know, we're kind of reluctant. He says that we should be cheerful in our giving. Now, is that something that we're all cheerful about? I mean, let's just be real. Today, when the offering plates are passed, I want to see like people jumping up. Yes, it's that time of the service. Get it over with, because we just want to give, Pastor, right? Does that, does that happen? Well, we're going to talk about that. And if I'm successful today, it will, right? Okay, amen. Now, let's talk about this idea of generous giving. Now, when you hear the word generous, you know, most of us think generous is, is about the amount, right? You know, a person is a generous giver. It means that they give a lot, a big amount. But what I want to tell you is that the idea of of generosity when it comes to giving isn't so much about the amount. Now, some of you go, awesome, I'm glad he said that because I'm going to give a very little amount but find a way to call it generous, right? But it's about the heart behind it. Now, let's, let's look at this heart as Jesus talks about it. In Luke chapter 2, 21, Jesus says this, or, or I should say Luke says this, as Jesus looked up, he saw a rich, the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow in, put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in all she had to live on. So Jesus, of course, and this is a familiar text for many of us, Jesus highlights this, this woman who has nothing but yet gives everything, 
and compares and contrasts that with those who are rich who give, you know, a lot more in terms of money. And Jesus says that she gave the more because it was given out of her heart of generosity. Now, what kind of person does that? What kind of person gives when they have so little for themselves that they give it away anyway? You could argue that, that only a crazy person would do something like that. Or, or perhaps a, a person who's been manipulated would do something like that. And of course, we have horror stories about that. I have a relative right now who's trying to go through legal proceedings to retrieve back the several thousand dollars that has been taken from her by a so-called man of God promising to bring her a return on her investment. And, and it hasn't happened, of course. And she's 90 years old and, and doesn't know any better. But, but certainly, manipulation is at play here. But there's also the type of person who does so not because they're crazy or have been manipulated, but because they're filled with biblical generosity. So I want to talk about biblical generosity for a moment. See, there are certain characteristics that go along with with generosity that I want to talk about today. And the first one is this, that generous giving is done with, with those three things you see up on your screen. With faith, with joy, and with thanksgiving. Faith comes into play because we recognize that our, our needs are not met by our ability to earn money for ourselves, but, but by God's ability to bless us. That's what we recognize, and that's why we're able to give generously, because we know that God can supply all of our needs, as we read this morning, as Pastor Mike read in, in, in Corinthians. So we have to have faith in generous giving. There's a component of that there. There's also a a great deal of joy that goes along with generous giving. When we give generously, we do so. We're excited about it. We're happy about it. We have joy in our hearts. Now, how is that possible? Well, a lot of it has to do with what we recognize about our gifts. What are we giving to anyway? See, you can't be filled with joy when you give unless what you're giving to is something you feel great about, right? So there's two types of, of giving there's, there's giving down and there's giving up. Okay, let me talk to you about that for a second. Giving down, we've all been there, right? When we hear of a need and it's not that particularly exciting, but we feel guilty about it, so we give to it, right? You know, you see the guy with the sign on the side of the road. Now, when those things were not so, uh, you know, commonplace, you'd see things like that. And I remember as a, as a teenager, I was moved by that one day, and, and, and I was driving home from, from, uh, from work, I was 16, and I saw this guy on the side of the road with one of these signs. And he said, you know, had the cross on it. So I thought, oh, that's a sign from God. Okay. And, and it said, you know, we'll take anything, homeless, stranded, whatever. So, so I, I, I immediately went home, and I got a bunch of sandwich stuff together. I made like, it was like the first fly program ever, right? I made all this food, and I went back down to this guy, right? And my, my dad was like, what are you doing? And he, he ended up going with me. So I walked up to this guy in this median in this, in this road, and I said, hey, you know, here's some food for you and your family. Because he had said, well, you know, I've got these kids, and, and, but they're not here with me now, of course. And I gave it to him, and he took it, and he looked at it, and he says, well, do you have 20 bucks? <laughs> you know, I wasn't given to this guy because I was excited about his life or because I thought what he was doing was this great thing. I felt sorry for him, right? And, and we do that sometimes in churches or ministries, Oh, you know, they're trying to do that thing or whatever, and it's not that great, but we feel bad for them. We give down. But then there's also giving up, right, which produces joy. Giving up is when you see something that you are excited about, and you see something that, that is amazing, and, and, and in your heart you go, wow, I get to give to that? 
I, I get to be a part of that. I get to, and that's called giving up, right? Now, the kingdom of God should be in our minds something to which we give up to because we recognize with joy that hearts are being transformed and lives are being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can have thanksgiving. We can thank God that we have the ability to give. We can thank God for the gifts that he's given us. Generous giving is done in faith, is done in joy, and is done with thanksgiving. But there's also a couple other things that go along with generous giving. And these are are important as well. Generous giving is planned. It's proactive. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in Des Moines today running a marathon. And we were talking last week, and he said he was training for this marathon. And he said it's taken about four and a half months to, to train for this marathon. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, there's this chart that you get out, and if you've never ran before, I can have you running a marathon in four and a half months. But what you have to do is commit yourself to the process, and some days you run this, this much, and some days you run that much. I said, so you don't just like wake up one day and go, hey, you know what, let's go run today for a little while until we get tired or until our feet hurt, and then, unless we're too busy to do something else, we'll just kind of take the training, you know, as it comes to us. He said, no, that's not how it works. It's proactive, and it's planned. See, if you want to do something great, if you want to go far in your life, you've got to plan it out. And the Bible says that this is indeed the case when it comes to generous giving. It needs to be planned. Paul says each person should give according to what he has decided in his own heart to give. Now that implies a process of decision making, doesn't it? It implies a moment in time when you sit down in prayer with those in your family and you begin to discuss and seek God's will for what you're going to give so that you can be faithful in that giving. And of course the church has tools that assist you in that. We have those things called pledge cards, right? And I used to hate those, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't stand them. Because how in the world was I supposed to be able to tell you in October what I was going to be able to give you next year? Right? How am I supposed to know that? I mean, how am I supposed to know what's going to be left over after I buy all the stuff I need to buy next year and have all the things I want to have next year? How am I supposed to know what's going to be left in my pocket at the end of the day? You see where I'm going with this? You see, many of us live in the world where we don't proactively plan to give. We just sort of tip God. And when the plate goes by, we kind of look, oh, well, what do I have? Okay, well, I, well I'm going to need that later. So, all right, hey, God, good job this week. We just tip them a little bit, right? You know, that's not generous giving. Generous giving is, is proactive and it's planned. See, if you just react to whatever's going on in your life, you won't be an excellent giver. Because there's always something that'll come up, Right? There's always some reason or some crisis or something that will require your attention and you'll go, well, sorry, I wanted to give this week, but I just can't. You know, we had to put new tires on the car or, you know, this or that. There's always going to be something if we don't proactively plan it out. So that's why we have to do that. One of the ways that has been helpful for, for us and our family and for, for many of you in this church, but I just want to highlight it in case, you know, you haven't taken advantage of it yet, is the electronic giving. And there's, there's a sheet in your bulletin that talks about how you can do that. Now, what this is all about is it just electronically, routinely takes the money from your account and puts it into the church account so that way you don't have to worry about 
well, did she bring the checkbook or, or did he forget to bring the money or whatever it is or when we're on vacation, we're going to miss. You know what? When, when, when we do that every year, we recognize that we can have the joy in our hearts of knowing that we're giving up to the vision and mission of the church without ever having to worry about forgetting a week or missing it for some reason. We just always have that joy. And then what that allows us to do is once we've, we've made our initial electronic giving uh, pledge to the church, then what that allows us to do is we can react positively as God blesses our family throughout the year to give additionally above and beyond to different ways without ever worrying about, well, we're taken from the church to go give to this. It's very, it's very exciting. So I want to encourage you in that. Plan it out. Be proactive about it. Don't leave it to chance. Sit down and decide with joy in your heart, in faith, what God would have you do with your giving. Now, the last thing to talk about with generous giving is, is, is the result of it is this. It, it brings great rewards. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Mike preached a sermon in which he described a dream. And in his dream, he said, I was, had like a slick back hairdo and some cufflinks on and like a TV preacher outfit going on. See, I could have busted that out for this sermon, right? This is, the, this is the televangelist, you know, if you're struggling in your life, you just need to give and God will bless you. If, if you're hurting for money or you can't find a job, you just need to write a check in faith and God has promised that he'll bring you a great reward. You see, people can do things like that. There's a lot of manipulation that goes along with, with when people are talking about giving. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's absolutely true that God will bring into your life amazing rewards if you generously give because you love Jesus. Now, here's where we run into trouble with that kind of logic of the televangelist. We don't get to dictate to God what those rewards are going to be, right? We can't say to God, all right, I'll give you 50 bucks this week if I get 500 back next week. We don't get to do that, all, even though they trot someone out on the stage who that happened to, right? And, and, and whatever. We have to trust God that his rewards are going to be what we need them to be not because of what we have done. You see, there's a lot of manipulation that goes along when people talk about giving, but there's sometimes a lot of manipulation that goes along when we give our gifts, isn't there? Think about that for a second. See, I, I've had many meetings with people in churches who, who say things like, well, pastor, you know, I give a lot of money, dot, 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 therefore you should do what I say. You know? Or, you know, pastor, I, I, I gave that big gift so, you know, that, that building really needs to be named after me. Now, let me tell you something. I'm all about memorial giving, okay? I'm all about giving as a memorial of someone who's passed on, who's lived a life of faith and wants to give something so that the kingdom of God can be, can be furthered in, you know, through their passing. But what I'm not all about is monument giving, where we set these things up as a monument to a human being and say that can never be moved or messed with. You see, we don't trust the rewards that come from God when we decide ahead of time what they're going to be. And, and we see this a lot. And people need to recognize that when we give generously, God will give us the rewards. We don't have to figure that out. We don't have to, to predetermine what they're going to be. I was speaking at a men's retreat in this, in this church one time. And we were in their gymnasium. And, and, and man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I look over on the wall and, and, and a huge plaque had all of the names of the people who gave to support that, that building. And they were categorized. You know, really, really awesome people. People that were just kind of okay. You know, and then those who just kind of showed up. You know, I mean, that wasn't their terms. That was my term looking at it. 
And I thought to myself, why do we do things like that? Well, I'll tell you why we do it. Because that's how you get people to give. That's what fundraisers will tell you. You want someone to give? Create some sort of way where they can be recognized for giving. Let it never be done that way in this church. Let us never give only because of what we will receive in terms of the accolades of human beings. Let us rather give generously because the cause of Christ in our heart moves us to spread the gospel through the resources that he has given to us, trusting only in his ability to reward us, knowing that he who sows generously reaps generously. You see, the rewards of, of giving when it comes to God are beyond whatever we could plan out. They're so much farther than what we could control or dictate. And yes, they come in, in, in material blessings. I know many generous givers whom God has blessed with the ability to create all sorts of wealth. And they, and they give it away with joy in their hearts. But yet I also know many generous givers who have meager financial resources whom God has not dropped the big money box on top of their house. But yet they continue to give generously. And you know what I found that's interesting about folks like that? Even though they may not have a, a lot of financial resources, because they give generously, they, they live with this mindset that there's plenty. They live with this understanding of contentment and that there's plenty to go around. They have enough to live on and they give to the Lord's work. Now compare and contrast that to those who have a lot of money and yet will not give it. But yet if they will, it has to be done according to their terms. I've never met a generous giver who has regretted it. But I've met a lot of rich, miserable people who want to control everything. Now, just before the text that Mike read this morning, there's, there's another little bit of writing that Paul writes where he likes to brag up about this, this church, these churches in Macedonia. And, and, and here's what he writes about them. He says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. These churches in Macedonia were poor, but they begged Paul to take their gift because they recognized that the money they had was more valuable once it was given to God rather than kept for themselves. And that is the biblical definition of generosity. It was done in joy. Now, I told you there, were, there was another category of giving, and that was the grudging category. The grudging category. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to just highlight this. And then I'm going to ask each of us to consider to which category do we apply ourselves. See, grudging giving is not done with, with joy and thanksgiving and faith. It's done with spite and distrust. You know what I'm talking about. The folks who give, but they're, always, they're, they're bitter about it. And they always want to know what's being done with it because they distrust everything. That's, that's not generous giving. Generous giving, uh, you know, causes thanksgiving and, and, and joy, but grudging giving causes stress, fear, and then entitlement about what we should get out of the process. If, if when you're coming into your time of, of deciding what your giving is going to be, if there's nothing but stress and fear going on around that, then I want you to consider what's going on in your heart. 
How much faith do you have? Because if we give out of our, our stress and out of our fear, that's not godly. And grudging giving brings little, if any, reward to the giver. It doesn't bring rewards. Even if they name the new church after Keith Nestor. If they do so because, because I have a ton of money and I give it and demand it, there's no reward there. I'll tell you a quick little story. My, my father was a United Methodist pastor uh, in, a, in a town in southeast Iowa when I was growing up. I was about four years old when this happened. There was a guy in the community. My dad was the associate pastor. And there was this guy in the community that never once attended the church, didn't have anything to do with it at all. And, and he was a wealthy, wealthy lawyer. And he passed away. And he decided in his memorial that he was going to give his mansion to the church as their parsonage. Mike knows about this place. He's going to give their mansion to the church as their parsonage. Okay? This is a downtown neighborhood church, not unlike FUMC. Okay? So, so can you imagine what would happen if, if, if Pastor Mike was living in a you know, ginormous mansion, what people would say about that? But, but that's what they did. They gave the mansion. But the stipulation was you had to refer to it as the Jackson Mansion because that was the guy's name. And everything written and everything said, it had to be referred to as that. Then he also gave a ton of money to the church music program. Okay? Now that's, that's honorable, right? But he dictated the terms to which artists and the type of music must be brought in and, and, and that every concert had to be referred to as the Jackson Concerts. Okay? So fast forward about 25 years. You've got a downtown church who's struggling in ministry to try to connect with this poor area of town and, and is actually hurting in ministry and, and understaffed to reach these poor people, but they can have a $50,000 a year concert. You tell me where the rub is there. And I remember what happened. I remember my dad, when this whole proposal came into the church and people were saying, oh, this is a great blessing. We got to do this. He said, we should stay away from this. This is wrong. Think about it for a second. Did, did Mr. Jackson receive any reward from that gift? I don't know. I'm not God. But I can tell you this. For as many people that were as wowed by his generosity, there were just as many who were in the, the trenches of ministry who were saying, boy, I wish we could peel off a little bit of that Jackson money and use it to help these poor people down here instead of entertaining the, the rich folks from the edge of town. See, grudging giving is about entitlement. Generous giving gives it freely with joy. So as we close, I want you to ask yourself the question, what kind of giver am I? How is it that our hearts give? Now, now the way that you to understand that is not to look at the number at the bottom of your pledge card. One of the ways that you figure that out is by looking at what you've received through this process. Are you able to have joy in this process? Are you thankful for it? Do you have blessings in your life that have come from God? Do you belong to God first and foremost? Or does this entire process make you squirm? If it makes you stress out and go crazy, the answer is not to shut down. The answer is to, like the Macedonians, first give yourself to God and then to one another. And then it won't be such a big deal. Because it's a heart issue. See, what we don't need in this church is you heard the budget statement. You go, oh, we're, we're, we're running a deficit. Yeah. So, well, the church needs money, right? No. We, we, the church, we don't need more money. We need more generous givers. Did you catch the difference there? So if, if when the plate comes by today or, or whatever for you and 
You know, you, you reach into your wallet or your purse or whatever, and you, you pull out that money, and you're looking at it, and you're kind of grumbling about it, saying, oh, I got like 50 bucks here. What should I do? I don't know. I could buy pizza with it, or I could do this. Oh, you know, oh, man, here it comes again. I feel guilty. Whatever. You know, keep your 50 bucks. Go buy your pizza. At least it'll fill up your stomach. Go buy whatever it is you think that you need to make you happy, and then when you recognize that it does not, you can return. We'll let you come back. Try again. Understand that when you give even a dollar because you love Jesus and because that's what you prayerfully decided in your heart and it stretches you in faith, then you can receive the joy and thanksgiving of knowing that God will use your gift to bless others. And you could be thankful for that. I, I hope that you are. I hope that you recognize where we are. I I hope that as we move into that, we don't have to have more conversations in our committee meetings like we're having right now where where we come before and and the finance committee comes to us and says, well, our recommendation is that we have a flat budget, meaning no increase. Now, we are certainly not greedy people, but I'm going to tell you something right now. The vision of God is greedy. The vision of God sets its heights to a high place. The vision of God is not flat. The vision of this church is not flat. Our faith is not flat. It's moving forward. It's moving us into places that we've never been before. It requires more faith. It requires more growth. And it does not, God does not look at our church and say, well, looks good. So that cannot be our giving unless you're content to have a flat faith. I, I for one, am not. And I haven't looked at my statements and everything like that this year, but I can guarantee you this. Next year, I'm going to stretch it in faith. See, if we're not faithful in our giving, trusting that God has to take care of us, then essentially we become faithless. And that's not what we want. So what's your magic number? I can't tell you. I don't know what it is for you. But the magic heart is one that's filled with generous giving, that has joy, thanksgiving, and a reliance on God, knowing that we are all here because others gave generously. And for that, we are thankful. So let me say to those of you in this room, and you know who you are, who are giving generously out of faith with joy in your hearts, thank you. Your your generosity is producing results. It's not going to waste. It's being used by God to change hearts and change lives. And, 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 and I wish that you could see what we see some of the days that we're here because I think it would motivate you even more. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts, the bottom of God's heart. I believe that God is pleased. This church excels in many, many, many ways. But I think it's getting time to where we all together ultimately as a church excel in our giving and see what God can do. Let's pray together. Lord, We thank you, God, that generous giving is something that you modeled to us, first and foremost, by the the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, to us. Lord, that was done with joy in your heart as you gave because you know what the result would produce. Father, motivate our hearts in the same way that we, Lord, would not give grudgingly, God, but would give generously with joy knowing that you love a cheerful giver, and knowing, God, that the results that you produce and the rewards that you bring us, Father, are more than we can ever possibly imagine. Father, even this morning as we get ready to give, 
We ask that you would bless us. We ask that you would work within us. God, knowing that whatever you guide us toward, you will provide everything that we need and more in Christ Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.